Hey Sprocket listeners, this is Aaron. Um, some of you might have noticed in our end credits, um, there is a name missing. Quite often, uh, I have fun with a lot of the names that I read on the end. Uh, and this one in particular, uh, there was a in-joke that I had with uh, this particular person and I really enjoyed saying it every week and he let me know he at least tolerated (laughs) me saying it Um, but we found out a couple weeks ago Dan Gebhardt uh, passed away on September 22nd Uh, this was particularly hard for me to, um, contend with, to find out, uh, given the length of time between when it happened and when I found out and how I found out. I was just combing through the news one day and there was a headline on bike portland remembering dan gebhardt uh my first instinct was oh did he move away and uh sadly that wasn't the case and i really wish it was um i really liked dan he he was fun to be around and that's it's interesting to say it was always really great to be around him um he had this humor that was is just so dry <laughs> that like a lot of people i i don't think quite got it uh which was i think why he liked doing it <laughs> It's like, if you got it, you were in. Uh, He was very active in the Portland bike scene. He was a great friend to anybody who was organizing a ride. He, I'm looking at um, some of the people posting on on the comments in this article in Bike Portland. Uh, Going back as far as 2014, um, just lists and lists of of pedal palooza rides of uh activist rides um he was very active in uh, the bike loud pdx um one of our grassroots bike activist groups um and i'll miss him i uh, i'll miss seeing him on on the rides that I've been on. Because he, he was always there. He was always on a ride that you were on. Because he loved biking. And he loved biking in Portland so much. He would go from one ride during Palooza 
go straight to another and you know he might be covered in glitter from the previous ride and then have to do like you know a, a quick costume change or or even just show up in in whatever costume he was he was in and he was ready to be wherever you needed him to be um people who do bike moves have said you know that he was always there on bike moves he was always loading up whatever he could on his bike to help out whoever was moving so we're gonna reissue the uh episode that dan gebhardt was on uh him and uh soren impy were representing bike loud and uh this was 2016 um back when we were in the garage and um he didn't say much during that interview soren did a lot of the talking and and i know that was by design but there was one thing that he did say in that interview that has stuck with me ever since and maybe this is obvious to a lot of the more engineer-minded people but i'm not that type of person um so it was eye-opening to me anyway uh he mentions about lower speeds with automobiles uh being so advantageous in that you know with lower speeds there's shorter stopping distances and with shorter stopping distances then you can put more vehicles closer together and with more vehicles closer together then you can get more vehicles in a place or in a space that vehicles going faster wouldn't necessarily fit and you know he says this way more eloquent than i'm putting it now um but it's always stuck with me uh anyway i'm gonna miss dan i'm gonna miss reading his name every week i'm gonna miss saying that in joke that he's a time traveler uh that came out of a a twitter exchange i had with him long long time ago about uh i claimed to have invented pizza neuring uh, essentially carrying pizza on your bicycle and he came back with reply been there done that and so i said you can't invent or you can't do it uh after i've or before i've already invented that i said what are you a time traveler and and i it just stuck i decided to put that on the end of the name and i'm gonna miss reading that and i'm gonna miss dan anyway Here's a reissue of our interview with Soren and Dan representing Bike Loud PDX. Hello, and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we simplify the good life. My name is Brock Dittis. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland nestled in the heart of Cascadia. 
We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way, even if it's (laughs) non-alcoholic. Covering bicycling, trains, and transit in simpler living, and today, still biking loud, and all the way to Salem. Yes, gentlemen, will you introduce yourselves? <laughs> Look at the deference in this room. Wow, so polite. <laughs> Biking loud politely, so, apparently. My name is Soren Impey, and I'm direct action coordinator of Bike Loud PDX and uh, also a board member. Good to have you in the room, Soren. Thank you. Thank you. I figured you should go first. You outrank me, but uh, I'm just, a, I'm just <laughs> a general member. My name's Daniel Gibbard. The longest bike accessory item that, like, in your possession, like, oldest. Oh, yeah. Longest or yeah, like longest like running, long, longest running, like oldest, oldest part on your bike. Yeah, th- that you've had the longest. Neither of my bikes are all that old. I've only been cycling regularly for about three years now. Oh, there you go. So you're just about due for some sort of mechanical failure. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the oldest, the oldest item on your on your bike is three years old. Well. I mean, my bikes are considerably, one of my bikes is considerably older okay. than I am. Uh, yeah. Well, almost older than I am. So I, it's got components, but not cargo-carrying components. Okay. Right. Right. Well, yeah, items, accessories, whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I am curious for anybody who, who is listening and has experience, uh, if you've ever shortened your commute, say you used to ride 25 miles a day and then you end up riding four miles a day for your commute, uh, how did that change your perspective on your riding, and did you gain weight? Because I'm worried about that for myself. And how many hobbies did you pick up with all right. that free time? Right, yeah. I'm going to keep... Speaking for myself, I yeah. used to have a nine-mile commute, okay. and then that shortened to a half-mile commute. Ha-ha! So, recently I started riding my bike to work again, uh-huh. mostly because I like having my bike with me at work. It then you can go somewhere to else. hang stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a coat tree of sorts. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I uh, did uh did you miss the longer distance? Uh not really. Okay. Not considering the the path I had to take. Right. Across 224 uh 213 and 205. Yeah, you were a significant distance away from the urban area. Yeah. Like you were firmly in suburbia, I think at that point, right? Well, now I'm even further out in suburbia. So. Okay. <laughs> but closer to work? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, well, the nice thing is that you can always ride your bike for fun yep. or for activism. We're, we're talking about uh, Bike Loud, and you guys have an event coming up that uh, is kind of interesting. But first, uh, just for context, you want to tell people what Bike Loud is. We've had some folks come in, I think, before uh, a year ago or so. Yeah, but... it was um, <clears throat> Carrie Schlossinger and... What was her last name? <laughs> I had a hard time pronouncing it. Schlossinger. I think she was, she was very forgiving. Yes. But yeah, she was uh, there. And, I probably uh, still didn't say it right. And then Alex. And, and at that Alex, time, they were yeah. talking about Clinton Street and some of the uh, some of the problems with uh, traffic there and safety for people uh, getting around on their own power. But uh, how do you guys describe Bike Loud? Well, I, I describe Bike Loud as a uh, grassroots um, bicycle advocacy group, also active transportation advocacy group. Um, and we're, we're focused on the Portland area. Um, we're trying to fill in, you know, a, a gap on, on, you know, advocacy that's focused on specific uh, uh, types of infrastructure, you know, in Portland that are problematic. You know, in fact, our, uh, 
uh, birth was on uh, the comments section of Bike Portland. Is that right? right? Where we were, you know, really upset about, you know, a string of setbacks, you know, the the bike lane on 28th that, you know, uh, never happened because the businesses uh, sent a petition and sabotaged the process. And it was these kinds of things that just led to a lot of frustration. And, you know, I think that our goal is to really change that dynamic, is to um, really uh, show uh, the commissioners, the mayor, you know, and, and uh, the Portland Bureau of Transportation that there are a lot of people biking uh, who really want to see progress and are not happy with the status quo. So, uh, you know, and very much focused on grassroots advocacy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dan? Well, I got that. And um, basically, I, I see our, our purposes being, um, we, we often hear that bikers are sort of whiny people. And, um, <laughs> and I, I hear that and I think, all you people in cars do nothing but whine every time anything is brought up concerning traffic, parking, anything like that at all. And so we're just the other side of that coin uh, for bikes. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's a, every hour on, on the fives, I think there's a section where people get to whine about what's happening with cars. So yeah, uh, we just need more airtime. And, and that is part of the dynamic we're trying to change, you know, right. I mean, you know, uh, around 2007 or so, we had that whole bike lash happen because of, you know, I think it wasn't even really so much people were specifically mad at, at, at people biking. It was more anger about the way money was being allocated by the Sam Adams administration and, and the way the media kind of, you know, uh, worked up a frenzy. So yeah. Yeah, one of our goals is to change that dynamic a little bit and, and make the point that the kind of um, infrastructure improvements in Portland that are going to favor people biking um, are also going to help people walking and definitely help people driving. Because if you think about just how many drivers we have taken off the road in this city um, over the past decade or so, um, that's had a huge impact on congestion in this city. So, and, and I think, you know, the city and, and, you know, many people uh, uh, recognize that. And so one of our goals is to, to communicate these kind of shared interests. In fact, we had a debate when we, uh, when we founded, you know, when, when we were, uh, you know, putting Bike Loud together about whether we should even call ourselves Bike Loud because, you know, uh, you know our message is that, that you know, we want to make improvements uh, to the city as a whole, you know, and that bike, you know, bike infrastructure benefits everyone in the city yeah. um, on many levels. And so we had a debate about whether we wanted to be so bike focused in our name because that all kind of pigeonholes you a little bit. Move sure. loud. And, and yeah, that debate, you know, I think that, the absence of sort of really asserted bike advocacy kind of led people to want to sort of have that sort of loud bike loud name. But we also have a sister group, an affiliate group called uh, Livable Streets Action. Okay. Oh, yeah. is, is the way we tackle active transportation more holistically, you know, in terms of transportation in the entire city and, and you know, how uh, infrastructure improvements help everyone yeah and so both of you are super interested in, in these ideas super like drawn to it i'm curious if either of you have personal experiences that kind of inform that interest like what 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 happened in your life that made you really really excited about like we, we need to get this voice heard well for me it's always been that um well from the age of 15 on through um quite a few years i've had epilepsy so cars are a no 
Uh, so I need other options. It's got to be either public transportation, walking, bicycling. And for most of my adult life, I've lived in places where bicycling just wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, either the road culture was just uh, completely aggressive towards uh, cycling at all. Yeah, yeah, the idea that bikes don't belong, you should be on the street. I, I would see that constantly. So I, I, I've always wanted to bike uh, for transportation, but it's just never been an option for me until I moved to the Portland area. Yeah, where were you before Portland? Uh, in and on the East Coast or in Wisconsin? Okay. Yeah, uh, both places that didn't really have a, a robust bicycling scene or or infrastructure or anything like that. Not that I was aware of at the time. I keep uh, now that I'm living in Portland and I have a better connection to the bicycling community, it turns out there is some stuff out there. But hard I just to get was, into. I just wasn't aware of it cuz yeah. it it's so often it's hidden from you cuz you just don't see them out there. Okay, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean that's a huge thing. Like if you're if you're barred from entry from car lifestyle uh because of a medical condition, that means that yeah, you you care very deeply about the other modes. Like they there has to be a way for it to work well. So that makes sense to me. Uh Soren? Well, yeah, so I've uh been biking for transportation basically my whole life. I, I both my parents are from Europe and um you know, uh, you know they had a sort of you know, laid back attitude about, uh, you know, uh, you know, just child rearing. So I was bike commuting to, to school in elementary school and, and pretty much have bike commuted my entire life. So, so I'm one of these people that, you know, maybe because I've been doing this for 40 years, you know, I don't really need a lot of infrastructure personally. Um, but you know, my partner does, you know, um, uh, she's extremely uncomfortable uh, riding on arterials in Portland, and uh, is really stressed out. Then you know, so that so that's one of my motivations is that I have friends and family who, um, you know, literally wouldn't bike with me if we didn't have the infrastructure we have now. Sure. Um, so so that's a lot of my motivation. Um, I think. I was always a bit of a lone wolf advocate, so I participated in rides, I would go to rallies, but, you know, because, you know, I was comfortable, I was a little disengaged. It was more, um, you know, uh, just having um, a project that I was kind of excited about personally, you know, um, I, I don't I don't mind riding, you know, on Southeast 28th, you know, in, in that, you know, arterial or whatever, that two lane road. But but it is a little uncomfortable sometimes, you know. There's some aggressive driving there, and I noticed it more when I'm riding with other people. So I was pretty excited about a buffered bike lane being installed there, and 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 you know the impact that would have on slowing car traffic down in this really busy commercial district. That you know, I mean, honestly, half the time I go there, I walk there, and when that was that option was just completely removed, you know, uh, that was really a turning point for me in bike advocacy. I, I suddenly wanted to get much more actively involved because I just realized that, um, you know, there wasn't enough of a voice for local bike advocates. I mean, here we are in the inner Southeast, you know, the 97214 area code, you know, the, the, the bike mode share in that neighborhood ranges from 15 to 20 something percent, you know, uh, depending on the census area. And yet, um, you know, uh, what was essentially fairly, mediocre infrastructure that would have been an improvement, but it wasn't like, you know, incredible 
even we couldn't even get that done. Right. So so it was kind of yeah, it was kind of uh, egg on our face as, as uh, bike and, advocates, and that and, flipped a switch for me. And yeah. Since then, that um, seemed to be a turning point for a lot of people. Yeah, I, and and other people voice similar stories, yeah. you know, because in other parts of Portland, you know, this this has been a recurring theme, and so I think that is part of the energy that Bike Loud wants to capture is that. You know, yeah, it's it's great if you're uh, a long time commuter, but um, you know, to 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 really get new people to bike, you you have to have these comfortable routes, and you have to have people like me, you know, um, push for this. I think we've talked about before, kind of the the divide between the people who are really aggressive and really interested in like fighting for their place on the streets, as opposed to the people who might be intimidated by by the amount of work you have to do to make yourself uh, seen and respected on the road. Do you guys have thoughts about the kind of how that plays out? Well, when I first moved to Portland, I was definitely in the latter category where I wasn't confident at all. I, I saw those sharrows on the road, uh, on the greenways as a cue that I could be comfortable here. I didn't have to keep looking over my shoulder uh, to worry about the traffic that might run me down. Mm-hmm. A pavement marking says, you so belong here. I was very interested but, but concerned. Um, and uh, over the last three years of living, I've definitely uh, um, gotten much, much more confident. I can write down Chavez easily. But I, I, there are people living in Portland who've also been cycling for decades who are either they don't want to get to that level or they just – or they're they're just um they don't they don't have that kind of confidence and that's really okay they shouldn't have to have that kind of confidence to use their public uh streets you think the barrier should be lower Much or lower. or it shouldn't exist yeah 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 i mean i i like to you know use an analogy um because i'm the kind of person you know that doesn't need any infrastructure like nothing you're ready to go i i can ride on any street anywhere <laughs> at any time and you know honestly i enjoy the adrenaline the thrill seeking you know i mean sure. i've been riding in big cities you know for most of my life you know but but <laughs> you know that's the kind of uh riding uh style that that's going to result in just a, a percent or so of the population. Most people are not interested in that level of risk, and it is a risk, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I um, I'm really fortunate that my partner is riding a lot more. Um, you know, for transportation, we used to ride for recreation before I moved uh, to Portland. But um, you know, she's riding many days a week. You know, um, she. And, and, you know, she would just not do this if it wasn't for uh, greenways, for bike lanes, and, uh, and she has absolutely no interest in, quote-unquote, taking the lane. Taking the yeah. lane, yeah. yeah. You can have it. Yeah. Uh, where, where did you guys move from? Uh, I, I've lived all over the place, but uh, uh, I moved uh, to Portland from Seattle. Okay. So. Um, yeah. And, uh, I went to graduate school there before that, um, a number of cities. Um, so gotcha. And, and even Europe as well. So, right. Uh, Seattle, I always feel like has pretty good infrastructure, but maybe some of that wasn't there when you were living there. No. Um, there was essentially no infrastructure when I lived there. I moved here, um, in 2000 and there were a few bike okay. lanes. You and I've been here the there same, the same like the Gilman yeah. trail. Um, but, you know, once again, with my background, I 
pretty much just road arterials sure. because that's what I was used to. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that was just, you know, it was, it was, you know, and honestly, I'll, I'll be blunt. Why do I ride an arterial? It's because it's the most direct route. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, you know, another topic. Well, and that's another why they're area arterials, of why we need you know? bike loud, you know, is we need to have direct bike routes. We, to really build mode share in Portland, we're going to have to move beyond, um, you know, more meandering routes that are comfortable and building um, comfortable routes that are direct. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I ride on Foster Boulevard most days or Foster Road. It's not a boulevard, but uh, as long as I live out there for the next three months, uh, I'll continue. I, I won't actually see bike lanes be put on Foster, sadly, at least while I live there. Yes, a single tier. But um, I've been I've been riding on that. And there is kind of like the, the split between like it doesn't bother me all that much to like in the colder, rainier months when it gets dark earlier. I've had some fairly unpleasant interactions with a couple of folks, not many, but, but yeah, you you certainly wouldn't expect everyone to be bicycling down that road as it stands now as a, as a four or five lane road, uh, with really fast traffic. Absolutely not. And there's a big dichotomy between the style of riding and how people driving treat you. I mean, I've said this many times, but I rarely have conflict with people driving, but when I bike with, um, other people, um, or with my partner, you know, people get frustrated because we're going slowly. Sure. You know, uh, I'm, we're in their way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, you know, and, and that is that is one of the reasons that there is a little bit of disconnect in Portland between the people who are, you know, the, the year-round people who've been commuting for many, many years and the people who, you know, are, are newer to, to riding a bike for transportation, not necessarily even commuting, um, you know, just to get around town. Um, is, is you're treated very differently on the road by people driving, you know? Right, and right. And that's why we need infrastructure, because not everyone is going to be comfortable enough to, to be right next to, to car traffic. And nor right. would you want everyone. I mean, a lot of people like kids, you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I would, would we let our kids, like, <laughs> no. ride Lombard, for example? Not alone. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we were talking before we started rolling the tape about how Portland has a certain amount of influence and sway, but uh, in in a certain way, uh, funding and what you're allowed to do is controlled at the state level. So this is something you guys are thinking about right now for your next uh, your next action. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, as as we talked about, there are definitely some deficits and and getting bike infrastructure improvements in Portland. But um, we've learned just in our advocacy that. I would say the biggest roadblock in this city is um, at the state level. And there's two major aspects to it, or at least two. One is institutional. Um, so it's the uh, ODOT Highway Department. Um, and this is a big deal. I mean, um, a lot of our roads in Portland are completely controlled by ODOT. Yeah, all so, the big arterials, basically. And the places where most people might want to bicycle, many of them, like Powell's Highway 26, which is a state highway. And, uh, yeah, the Department of Transportation kind of has Lombard. that locked down. Yeah. Lombard, Lombard is also a state highway. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Which and also s- has a striped bike lane. Yes, yeah. in places. <laughs> and and those, 82nd, yeah. those 82nd are the Avenue. roads that have the worst bike infrastructure, yeah. have the highest vehicle speeds, and ODOT just rejects any attempt to make them you know, safer uh, for, for people walking. A lot of these roads end up becoming commercial areas as well you know i mean the, the city changes becomes denser you got people and shops and shopping near these roads and 
and you've got cars going, you know, 40 miles an hour. Um, and, uh, it's a huge problem, and it's not just those roads. Unfortunately, ODOT controls all of the intersections and even you know, areas adjacent to those roads. So they have this huge veto power on you know, uh, road safety improvements and the development of good bike routes. So what does the Oregon huh. Department of Transportation need to hear, do you think? Uh, the Oregon Department of Transportation is a highway uh, Department and what they need to do is to change their entire culture. I was going to say there needs to be a whole culture right. shift. I right? mean, this is an organization yeah. that is rooted in sort of the 1950s vision of transportation about moving car traffic quickly and maintaining vehicle throughput. And they have this institutional resistance to, um, you know, uh, considering other transportation modes, considering. Uh, lowering speeds, making right. roads more pedestrian friendly so that pedestrians don't have to walk across five, you know, broad lanes of traffic, um, putting in more pedestrian crossings. And, you know, those are things that you would think are maybe a little disconnected from cycling, but they're not. Once you get those things in, it's a much easier uh, to put bike infrastructure in. Roads um, for people. Yeah. So um, th- that's what we really want to see is to see them you know, uh, start to, uh, understand that there are other transportation modes right. than, than motor vehicles. Well, and it's always interesting to me when the subject of like, uh, vehicle throughput, um, efficiency and speed, like are at the center of the conversation because, you know, one of the things that I find is we can up the speed limits, we can make wider lanes, but, how many times has, I mean, even just today, has vehicle uh, traffic come to a standstill because someone was going too fast and got in an accident, you know? Um, like, it, it seems kind of short-sighted to me anyways. When you put vehicle speed and throughput um, first and safety, like, you know, somewhere down the line. Like, if you put safety first, vehicle throughput might actually go faster or or become more because there's less delay. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, less traffic collisions. There's, uh, yeah, it just seems a little bit more efficient in my head. There's a lot to be said for slower speeds. It allows for uh, shorter following distances. So you can really pack the cars in there if you need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the faster you go, the more space you need to avoid collisions. Yeah. Well, so you guys are doing, uh, you're you're doing this action. It's a, it's a bike ride from here to there. So tell us about that. Yeah, maybe I wanted to just oh, go back because there's one Oh, thing. sure. You know, the other big reason that we're, you know, focused on the state is funding. Oh, and, yeah. And, and that is a critical thing for Portland because Portland doesn't really have an active transportation budget. I mean, literally, they, they cut it to nothing, you know, from the Adams, Sam Adams administration was about $2 million a year. They cut it to like something like 700000 repeatedly. Um, including Novick and Hales, they they cut it. You know, it was one of their first moves when they when they were uh, you know elected is to wow. is to cut active transportation even further. And and even with the gas tax, it's only been bumped up to the 2007 levels. So there's basically nothing in Portland. You know, there's there there is most of the money that we get for active transportation. You know, and you know the improvements that you see come from outside of Portland, come from federal funding or state funding, and those are controlled by ODOT, you know, in terms of how that money gets distributed. So, so if we're going to really see 
um, the kind of funding that is happening in Seattle, in San Francisco, in Vancouver, these cities that are installing you know, dozens and dozens of miles of new bike infrastructure, including protected bike lanes, the only option is to really start to focus on the state because that's where the money is and they control the, the way money is allocated for transportation. Yeah, and we have more money available to us than we did, say, what, like six years ago when we were in the middle of the recession and everyone, everyone was uh, turning their pockets inside out. Uh, things have gotten better. It's not, it's not fixed, I suppose. But You mean as a whole we have more money like available out there? Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily um, as a budgetary item. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of where that you're saying the decisions need to be made, right. that the budget right needs now, to be increased. Because Oregon is recovering, you know, yeah. I mean, unequally, but it's recovering and there is more money available. There even, you know, the, the legislature is thinking about raising new taxes to pay for a new 2017 transportation package that would last like around a decade. And this is a huge pot of money. And um, at this point, the vast majority of this new money would be spent on highways. Sure. So, um, <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's just, you know, you can read the documents they put out and, um, you know, they, they talk about the importance of active transportation, but it's getting short shrift. Doesn't have any teeth yet. Yeah. So um, that's, that's why yeah, we're going up is, to Salem. This is so interesting because um, uh, PJ, I think I can out him on, on this one because, uh, you know, he tweeted it. It's a public tweet. He tweeted something to the effect of like uh, the Portland Business Alliance gets a cut from the, ca- the gas tax, mm-hmm. you know, for, for quote unquote improvements. Um, the gas tax, which was opposed by the Portland Business Alliance. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you know this would be this would provide like uh, funding for bikes and whatever. Like this is how how it's like being sold to the public, right? And then also like how it's being contested to the public by like people like the Portland Business Alliance is like you don't want bikes out there, you don't want like slow moving traffic, you know, um, <clears throat> Foster Road <clears throat> furniture store, <clears throat> uh, yeah, and. Uh, and then in the meantime, like they still get a cut of this and it's, I don't know. There's just something mind boggling about that. Like, yes, the money's there. It's just not going to the things that we need it to go to. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the political reality is that there, there is a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, energy on the, uh, side of business and, and even, um, a lot of influence. Um, and, uh, the only way that active transportation is going to get a voice and, and, you know, not just active transportation, but one of the big reasons we're doing this is safety. Like we talked about ODOT, the highway department, you know, um, is, is to get people up there talking to legislators and letting them know that this is a really big issue for the constituency. Because I think, you know, from our conversations with some of them, they are interested in this. And, and um, you know, uh, they've just told us that no one, no one talks to them about this. You know, there's a bit of a vacuum, you know, in Salem. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not Bike Lab PDX's job to do this. But, but yeah, we want more money for uh, active transportation and for safety improvements. And we, and we want to just get, we want to get ODOT out of our roads. You know, we, we need to 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 basically turn ODOT roads over to Portland and um, Portland, you know, will do the things that it does, you know, to calm those roads and make them more human centered. 
So if they just said like, okay, we're, we're, uh, we're giving up all, all control of the intersections of all the highways. But in the meantime, like they're the ones sort of holding the purse strings. Like how do you sort of make those two dots connect? Right. So, so, and that's been the excuse because this has right. been an ongoing battle for, right. for like decades. But, uh, uh, we think that, that people can come to a compromise. Yeah. It's possible that Portland will have to spend a little bit more money to get these up to their, uh, road standards, but, um, it's, it's, this has been going on too long. You look around Portland and if you plot out fatalities and serious injuries, these things are centered on ODOT controlled roads, you know, high people crash are dying in those places. Yeah. 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 I mean, how many, you think about the economic impact of all those people dying and how much money that has cost Portland in the state, you know, estimates, you know, range in, in the million per death. I mean, if you be as callous to even put a money, sure, you know, but uh, if, measure if but, compassion but won't the, do the trick, right? I mean, there is there is no argument for not doing this. That's kind of our attitude, um, yeah. and uh, I think there is now uh, possibility to get more funding, and there is some opportunity. Um, things are a little more in flux at the state level with this huge new transportation package, and we also, I guess, I personally also view the. Um, uh, you know, uh, issues with, um, you know, um, air quality is being a related issue. You know, I mean, pollution yeah. is a big issue when it comes to, um, you know, um, motor vehicle traffic and, um, the state is really taken, um, after, you know, that became a massive issue in Portland with, uh, contamination has, has made some efforts to take a more, assertive role, you know, in pollution. And so maybe there's some opportunity to do the same with, you know, traffic violence and uh, road safety because it is a crisis. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm talking a lot, but, but I got some statistics, you know, I mean, roadway fatalities in Oregon have increased 42% over the past two years from uh, 2013. And, And these numbers are, are, are enormous. 400, 45 people. And 2016 is on pace to exceed that by quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, this is a crisis. These are enormous numbers. Uh, these are human lives. Um, and, uh, we believe that almost all of these deaths, um, are unnecessary. Um, and, and in Portland alone, you know, we're, we're up to 32 on the year, which is a very, very high level, um, Mm -hmm. for, for the city, um, and is completely unacceptable. And, and there's just lethargy. No one's really doing anything concrete in response to this. You know, there's some rallies, some speeches, yeah. some hand wringing, right? Yeah. It, it requires action. And, uh, the, the state is really where we can get the money to do, um, the types of changes to our road infrastructure that will prevent this. Mm. And beyond, uh, and beyond funding, um, there's also the problem with speed limits. ODOT controls all speed limits, and, and the cities have to go begging to ODOT to change them. And they've recently changed that a little bit, but there are still, there's still problems. Mm-hmm. Like if the city so, wanted something to be 25 miles an hour, the state wouldn't let that happen. Uh, well, it, it depends on what – it's really up to the state to decide, and they're not inclined to – Lower things generally, and they have a very slow process for doing it. I would say that they're definitely not inclined. Yeah, let's just give it. There was the recent change from what was it, uh, twenty-five to twenty on Clinton, right? 
for sections uh, of it. For yeah. sections, for, yeah, yeah, and and so uh, but, I guess but, what but I'm hearing that is was a, that was Portland a state had to law that was passed. So oh, it was yes that that was not allowed by ODOT. ODOT would not have allowed that. They had to actually pass a new law to allow them to decrease the speed limit <laughs> on bikeways. So I mean, that's how much in, in a way you kind of had to go, someone had to go above, above their ODOT. head yes. and then pass this law. And, and, and to bring it back full circle, like think about Southeast 28th and Burnside. Yeah. This is this really big, you know, it's a recent commercial yeah. area. Laurel I mean, Theater. Yeah, that, uh, right. yeah. All sorts you know, of food carts. Area. Starbucks yeah. there. The, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's big. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people walking around. Um, Portland tried to decrease the speed limit on Burnside for, for years. And it took them many, many years to do this. And it was 35 miles per hour. And they were only able to knock it down to 30 miles per hour. Okay. Oh. So that gives you an yeah. idea of just how much resistance there is at ODOT. You know, I mean, that should be a 25 mile per hour road there. I mean, it's just at night in the evening there, it's just absolutely full of people walking around. Yeah. There's no reason for people yeah. to be driving fast there. You know? And you don't have to be there for very long. Yeah, uh, just watching and and yeah. you see someone, uh, you know, sailing well, through the intersection because they're either trying to make the yellow or didn't even see that the light had changed. And it's largely unnecessary. I mean, there are yeah. lights throughout that area, so there's no reason to to have people like do that whole thing where they speed up and then and then have to slow, slow down, down, speed up and slow down. Yeah, so uh, I'm dangerous to think. conditions. So from 28th, um, going east, 32nd has a light. So what is that? That's four blocks, right? And it's, you know, you the, know? And yeah, it's, it's really the, they've been wanting to do it all the way from, then, you know, 12th, you know, um, to, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's just, I mean, that's just one example of, of how difficult it is for Portland to do just really simple changes to streets that wow. would make, make an impact, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, well, we need to probably wrap the interview up here, but uh, tell us about the ride and uh, oh, yeah. how, how can people get involved if they want to join you in this uh, this uh, active effort to, to kind of change legislatures' minds. So on September 22nd, of, uh, Salem is having its legislative days, which is um, a time set aside for uh, representatives and subcommittees to uh, hear from their constituents. And... We are going to lead a ride down to from from Portland um, to Salem. Um, there will be there will be actually two rides. Uh, there will be a, um, an easier ride for those of us who maybe don't want to do the full fifty miles to Salem, mm-hmm. and that'll be leaving from Wilsonville. Okay. Um, so you can take the west down, or you can carpool with your bikes down it's there. It's transit connected. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and cross over the Willamette on the I five bridge, which is legal to ride. I've done it. It's uh, it's not as scary as I thought it would be. No, no, it's actually a very wide breakdown lane. It's all right. And then from there, working our way over to 99E and then down to Salem. So both both rides start at um, 8:30. Uh, one from Salmon Springs at Salmon and uh, at the corner at intersection of Salmon and NATO downtown by Portland fan, by by the fountain, of course. And the other one by uh, the Wilsonville West Station. Um. Those ride, two rides will meet up um, just outside of Salem and then ride in together. So we're looking at um, leave times of 8.30 for both rides and then meeting up before 2, 2 p.m. in Salem so that we have enough time to get people in front of their representatives and then for the and then to uh, testify or at least 
um, to be seen at the uh, transportation subcommittee meeting. Very good. And it's okay to be early. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you probably want to be there around 8. Yeah. Um, and then after the subcommittee meeting, um, we are planning a uh, candlelight vigil for all the people who have died on Oregon roads this year. Okay. And then transportation back to Portland is being arranged as well, right? Uh, yeah, we're trying to uh, charter our bus. Uh, we'll need to get RSVPs from people who, who want to attend. We're working on getting an event right up that people can sign up for. Okay. So CPs, we get some you say? Numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, Which means... we do have an event right, and it'll go live very shortly. Yeah. Um, and it will have a whole bunch of questions that will basically deal with the logistics and how you're going to get up there. The other thing I wanted to emphasize is that this is open to people who um, are traveling by other modes as well. We will actually have a skateboarder or two going with us. Oh, we are. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Great. But there will be people uh, you know, taking the train uh, and possibly carpooling or driving up as well. And uh, we're going to try to work with them to, to coordinate um, the, uh, the day of action during the legislative days where we talk to the Transportation Committee, because that's kind of our focus. This is the committee organized by Governor Brown that is uh, working on a compromise for this new 2017 transportation package. So they have opened it up to testimony, and we're looking for people to come out there and and support us. Um, And we're wanting to work with people uh, in active transportation um, and that's inclusive. That covers you know biking, walking, and mass transit. So we hope to uh, convince uh, the legislators to to uh, fund uh, you know active transportation according to the kind of language that they use, but you know don't generally follow through on. Um, so yes. So and I also wanted to stress that this is our second event. So we have ridden up to Salem previously. So on, and that, uh, July 16th. And that went really well. Um, so we're experienced at doing this, um, and we expect it to be um, a fun experience as well as, you know, um, an opportunity for uh, advocacy um, uh, of multiple types uh, for whoever's interested. And we're hoping this extends far beyond just Portland. We want the whole state to get involved. We don't care where you're coming from or how you're getting there. Just get your ass to Salem. That's right. You hear that, people? Everywhere? Come to Oregon. Get to the chopper. I mean, get to Salem. <laughs> exactly. Uh, cool. So we'll put links up on our website. People can also go to bikeloudpdx.com. Dot org. Dot org. And we will have a link on the front page shortly. We also have a Facebook page. Just search for uh, Bike Loud PDX. And the Day of Action is being organized by our sister group, uh, Livable Streets Action. Um, It's focused on active transportation as a whole. And if you search for either of those on Facebook, you will see the uh, events. Very good. Well, thank you both for coming in. Thanks for sharing. This is uh, good stuff, and you guys are doing good work. So appreciate your voices in the conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Anything else so. you guys wanted to contribute or kick in before we're done? <laughs> I hope you had a good time being here. I'm glad yeah, you were we here. Yeah, did. No, thank you for having us. <laughs> it's been fantastic. Cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this whole thing up. Let's put a button on this, shall we? Let's button it. Let's button it up. Let's put uh, two buttons in sequence. You never button the third button unless you're meeting the president. Is that how that works? 
That's what I heard. Okay. I'm like, that's Always stupid. leave the top button unbuttoned. Yes. I thought it was the bottom one. Always. Oh, oh, for, oh for a suit jacket? I yes. couldn't tell you. It's the bottom one. This will be important when it comes to the legislative <laughs> session. <laughs> I don't think we'll meet the president. Uh, well, that's true. So never mind. It, yeah. yeah. Button, button as you desire. Okay. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to sustaining donors Logan Smith, Johnny K, Shadowfoot. Katharina Melamgard, Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson. Ethan Georgie, Justin Martin, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Bozinski, Tim Mooney. Orange and Purple, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly. Jim Gooden, Eric Weiss, Doug Cohen-Miller. Todd Parker, Scott McAllister Morgan. And Chris Gonzalez. Dan Gebhardt. He's Woo! right here. Zoe Campania. Andy Brunner. Dave knows Chris Smith. Christy Kaster. Caleb Jenkinson. J.P. Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Patrick Archange. Sebastian Poole. Marco Lowe. Rich Otterstrom. Andrew Alderson. Drew the Welder. Anna Krista. John Wasserman. Andre Johnson. Shelley and Troy. King of Division. Josh Sisson. Richard G. Guthrie Straw. Christopher Barnett. Brandon Shelby. Campsite. Aaron Green, Mac Nurse, David Catherine Minchin. Nathan Poulton, Chris Rawson, Rory Close. Michael Flournoy, and Jeremy Kitchen. Now brush your teeth and, and you know, donate oh. if you want to. Stop donating if you can't afford it. If you're not donating and you want to, you can. Go to the website. But first of all, yes, brush your teeth. Yes. And go to bed. Yep, yep. <laughs>